the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Ben, and I got to tell you, something's bugging me. My name is Noel the Big Buzz Brown. Is that what they call you? Or is oh. that, is oh, that what they, you oh, call they, oh, no, they call me that. Who are they? You know, the royal they. Oh, good. The editorial <laughs> they. Uh, we're also, we're also uh, joined by our super producer, Casey the Big Itch Pegram. How's it going, Casey? Scratching away over here, mm-hmm. I guess. It I sounds like yeah. it's that summertime in Georgia, man. And, and you know, when you realize too, part of the story is the government actually dumping more mosquitoes into Georgia. Uh-huh. Uh, that's, that's when you realize how truly callous and cruel the American government can be. Yeah, I'll take the name uh, Ben Dropkick Bolin, and it is true. Uh, the The thing that's specifically bugging me today is just the heat walking to work, uh, but. We are talking about bugs. We're talking about entomology. We're talking about warfare. We're talking about bug wars. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, literal bug wars, right? So, Noel, what's this? What 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 are you talking about? People were dropping mosquitoes into Georgia. That's one of them. Um, that was Operation Big Buzz, uh, which in the 1950s the army uh, put more than 300,000 uninfected mosquitoes into bombs. And then dropped them onto the unsuspecting population of Savannah, Georgia. And this was a test for something that the government was working on on a much larger scale, uh, the weaponization of insects. We'll get into the specifics of each of these operations. But for now, Ben, what the hell is the weaponization of insects? Let's, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. Sure. It's a form of biological warfare. Uh, you know, it's something that a lot of engineers have said before in the past 
people can make things that are pretty good in terms of technology, but when it comes to the natural results of evolution, Mother Nature tends to make pretty great stuff. So why would we go back and, and try to build tiny, tiny machines and weapons of our own when we could just use the existing creatures, insects? Yeah, we know that various versions of weaponizing animals have gone varying ways. You know, dolphins, so dolphins, um, the bat, the tiny bat bombs. You know, that uh, on Japan, the idea that the the bats would deploy into eaves of homes, and then these incendiary devices would go off and burn down uh, Japan. Um, that didn't work out so well. This story that we're talking about today, the weaponization of insects, has had varying degrees of success uh, in various different cultures, not <laughs> not only ours. Um, yeah. But here's the thing: so the turn of the 20th century, um, human beings in general, started figuring out that insects carried diseases. The term is vectors. They were vectors Ooh. for diseases. Uh, there is a professor at the University of Wyoming who explained it as such in the Casper Star Tribune, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Lockwood. He says... Quote, the Japanese, French, Germans, English, and the United States all had entomological disease programs active during the golden years of 1930 to 1970. And that includes a Japanese World War II program. Uh, the name of that program was Unit 731. Unit 731 was the Japanese government's uh, World War II analog uh, to the horrific human experimentation that took place under the Nazi regime in, during the Holocaust. So Unit 731 is a very, very dark thing. It's not ridiculous, no. uh, but do be aware that it exists. Essentially, Unit 731 engaged in tremendously horrific, unethical human experimentation. Uh, there are sickening stories that are all true and that are worse than fiction. Uh, you can you can learn more about these evil science experiments. I do not use the word evil lightly by searching online. There are, of course, numbers of books here. They were doing stuff like studying hypothermia by submerging people's limbs in water until the arm or leg is frozen solid and ice formed over it and then striking them with canes. They were essentially vivisecting people, conducting surgery on them while they were alive, starving them, burning them, infecting them with various diseases. And part of it was their weaponization of insects wherein they sprayed fleas uh, from low-flying airplanes. And these fleas were infected with cholera. Um, and uh, according to the Boston Globe in another piece that Lockwood contributed to, uh, these deaths could have exceeded that of both Hiroshima and Nagasaki combined, those bombings. Um, at least 440,000 Chinese were killed using these plague-infected uh, fleas. This is a, that, that number comes from an international symposium of historians in 2002. So relatively speaking, it's, it's pretty recent. And think about that number, 440 thousand people. Japan, we should say as well, is the only country in history that has verifiably used bugs in war. Other countries have experimented with it. Spoiler alert, one of them being the good old U.S. of A. In fact, we experimented with this not once but multiple times in a very short time span in the 1950s, right? Because we said there's a golden age from the 1930s to the 70s. Uh, in the U.S., we had not one but three 
huge operations uh, weaponizing insects in the mid-1950s. And it's fascinating stuff. The first one, where Casey Pegram took his uh, his nickname for today, is Operation Big Itch, which also used fleas, right? They took a page from the Japanese government there. Yes, and we have, thanks to the lovely folks at The Smoking Gun, have a document uh, that catalogs several of these programs, uh, one of which has been entirely redacted, but we do have a little bit of information about that one from some other sources. But according to Section 1 of a document called The History of Infield Testing in the U.S., Operation Big Itch took place in 1954 and was a series of trials of tests that were conducted using fleas loaded into E-14 munitions with what's described as cardboard and sponge inserts. Um, The idea was that the bugs would be dropped from altitudes of between 305 and 610 meters over a testing area uh, called the Dugway Proving Ground in Utah. Uh, The idea was to investigate uh, the viability of the munitions used here and how um, effective they would be in disseminating what's referred to very scientifically as these arthropod vectors. Right, exactly. This specifically was the tropical rat flea, or Xenopsilla chiopis. The logic here is pretty sound, right? Uh, The waves of death known collectively as the Black Plague came from fleas. They're very, very good for transmitting diseases quickly. Big itch showed a lot of promise, but it also had some problems. So they were loaded into these munitions dropped from the air, as you said, up to, what, 610 meters. They used a couple of different bombs, the E-14 bomb and the E-23 bomb, which they could cluster into a a kind of a Voltron arrangement called the E-86 cluster bomb or the E-77. Without getting too in the weeds on these abbreviations and numbers, just know that the E-14 was designed to hold 100,000 fleas, and the E-23 was designed to hold 200,000 fleas. The E-23 was the worst performer. Over half of the bombs failed. They didn't meet their expectations. Uh, They malfunctioned during, this is the worst part, they malfunctioned during testing. On the plane, right? Yeah, and the fleas were released into the aircraft where they attacked the pilot, the bombardier, and an observer. Someone was just sitting there, you know, as a bystander. So they imagine you're, you're about to launch a bomb of fleas and the bomb goes off in the plane. That's exactly what happened. And this, by the way, comes from a great book called Weapons of Mass Destruction, an Encyclopedia of Worldwide Policy, Technology, and History by James J. Wirtz. Next, we have Operation Big Buzz, which was in 1955, and this was an experiment that the the, the Georgia-centric one that we mentioned earlier in the show. Um, It was a field test that was trying to figure out the, um, I don't know, the viability again of actually breeding and then um, housing and then loading up into bombs uh, and ultimately, you know, scattering these across the land, uh, yellow fever infected mosquitoes. Yeah. Yeah. Over 300,000, right? Over, and it gets, it gets even crazier than that, right? So they, uh, they did these tests in Savannah, Georgia, where they released 330,000 Aedes aegypti mosquitoes, uh, which are known vectors for yellow fever. And they did this by dropping them on Georgia parks all throughout Savannah. Um, And they were kind of released out into suburbs as well. And the idea was that they would see how 
many reports came in of citizens being bitten, and they would kind of be able to tell how uh, effective this was as a means of dispersing this disease. Not the best methodology. When's the last time you contacted the government because a mosquito attacked you? Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. These mosquitoes, by the way, thankfully, were not actually infected with yellow fever for the purposes of this test. But it's pretty insane to think that they said, okay, let's just drop this off and see what happens. See who is so concerned about mosquitoes that they call us. They were also dropping these from the same bombs in the big itch, the E-14 bombs. So they clearly thought that there was some promise for this. In total, I think it was one million female mosquitoes they bred for the testing at least according to Public Health Issues Disaster Preparedness. That's a, that's a real... Very sexy acronym. Yeah, yeah. super creative. Oh, uh, that would be FIDIP. Now, that is pretty cool sounding. FIDIP. That comes from John Marr and Lloyd Novick over at FIDIP. I think that's why I like acronyms so much, because the sound of the acronym is usually infinitely more fascinating and intriguing than when you actually name out the, uh, the individual words. A little easier to remember, too, because it's a mnemonic. So what happened with the <laughs> what happened with the the yellow fever run through or rehearsal there in Savannah? Well, what, I mean, it was annoying, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it was literally like you know Georgia, it, it, Savannah in particular is a swampy kind of breeding ground for mosquitoes. Anyway, can you imagine just? Mm unleashing that on your own people? I mean, sure, they weren't infected with the actual disease, right? But they were still 
essentially doing military tests on their own citizens, right? Mm -hmm. And there was even more subterfuge because we found that government officials disguised themselves as healthcare professionals to monitor the population. So that's how they were getting, uh, just to clarify, that's how they were intending to get feedback. That's pretty gross, man. It's definitely unethical. And with the with the results there, would would we say that that was a success? Because the idea again was they would they would drop them, and the test was going to be whether the mosquitoes could survive the drop and then seek food on the ground, right? Seek blood. Yeah, what they determined was that the female mosquitoes actively sought blood meals from humans and guinea Ooh. pigs, uh, which is what they were described as uh, in the report, um, and that some of the mosquitoes were collected as far as four-tenths of a mile from the target release site. So, yes, the, it was absolutely effective. They could get into homes, you know. They would, I mean, if they were infected with this uh, deadly disease, it would have been an absolute bloodbath, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended. What do I know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. This this seems ridiculous now, but it had enormous potential potential for destruction, so much so that after releasing these 80s Egypti mosquitoes, the U.S. government said, I really think we're on to something. Okay, maybe Big Itch was just a good starting point for us. And the big buzz showed some promise. So, hey, guys, it's 1956. We're living in the future. Let's do this one more time. What do you say for old time's sake? Fun is what I say. <laughs> uh, so that gives us the one of the more shadowy operations mm-hmm. uh, known as Operation Dropkick, which I believe, wow. which I believe was your nom de plume in this episode, right, I, Ben? Yeah, I have a very lazy fighting style. I just sort of put my foot up and mm-hmm. then it drops. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very effective on uh, uh, shoes. Yeah, well, low it's, stools. it's kind of an MMA style. It's like an MMA. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this was uh, kind of similar to these other operations, but had some pretty important distinction. Uh, this took place in 1956 when um, this is the Chemical Corps. Isn't that right? Isn't that what the, conducted yeah. this operation? Yep. Which is a, an organization I was not familiar with. Tell us a little bit about the Chemical Corps, Ben. Sure. No, the Chemical Corps is the branch of the U.S. Army. The official stories, they specifically work on defense against nuclear weapons, chemical, biological weapons. You'll hear people say that for most of its history, the Chemical Corps was actually tasked with delivering these weapons instead of defending against them. Mm. And you'll hear that because it's true. Right, exactly. Uh, So they conducted Operation Dropkick um, when they released 600,000 uninfected mosquitoes onto a, uh, a bombing range in Avon Park, Florida. Yes, that's right. And their methodology was improving. They were able to track these mosquitoes a little bit better. Uh, They were able to come up with an estimate of how many entered houses and bit people. And they also found that they could deliver them through a couple of different devices or methods. In this case, they were released from helicopters, right? And Mm -hmm. people in Avon Park, still some of them remembered this. You know, they were old enough to be conscious of these things happening. And they reported that mosquitoes weren't the only things released. There is a Avon Park resident named Beatrice Peterson who wasn't aware of the mosquito releases because there are already mosquitoes in Florida. But she did recall that a ton of screwworm flies were released in the mid to late 1950s when she was 14, I think. 
Yeah, and she describes them as being dropped from little boxes out of these helicopters and that they'd see them at school um, and the boxes would open up and the flies would be dispersed. Uh, And here's the thing. Avon Park in Florida uh, was a predominantly black neighborhood and uh, predominantly lower income. And a lot of folks actually got sick because of this. And I believe a handful actually died. Yeah, and we shouldn't skip over that because it is true that in many of the illegal experiments that the U.S. conducted domestically, they focused on marginalized communities because they thought they could get away with it. There would at the very least be less legal trouble or less possibility. So the big question is, what would have happened if these insects were carrying disease? Uh, The answer is, is clearly a public health disaster would have been possible, would have been in the cards, you know, a yellow fever outbreak. So they found that in theory, unlike the bat bomb or the cyborg cat, which are both real things, this weaponization of insects had some sand to it. It could actually work. And although the three experiments we outlined occurred in the 1950s, that doesn't mean that the U.S. Army called it quits. We have evidence that shows they were interested in it even more recently, right? Yeah, we have some documentation that shows that up until as recently as the 1980s, uh, 81, in fact, uh, there's a report um, on entomological warfare that piggybacks off of the research that was done at that Dugway Proving Ground in Utah. And the study actually looks more at how we could defend ourselves against attacks being done on U.S. soil um, by infected mosquitoes with yellow fever. And uh, according to the report, um, it noted that uh, U.S. intelligence information indicated that Warsaw Pact nations have attempted to develop this capability. um, And it also looks at cost estimates of what the fallout from these kinds of attacks might be. So this isn't necessarily looking at doing the research and developing these techniques ourselves, but more guarding against it uh, in the case of attacks from other nations outside of America. Right. And this leads us into a bit of conspiratorial speculation here. We've heard of the Zika virus, right? Remember Mm -hmm. that was in the news a lot. So the Zika virus is a disease transmitted primarily by these mosquitoes that we mentioned earlier. Symptoms can be mild and include fever, rash, conjunctivitis, muscle, joint pain, malaise, a headache. It's 2019, man. I feel like most people have malaise of some sort nowadays. Uh, But it it can pose great dangers. It can be particularly dangerous to unborn children. It can cause infants to be born with a number of uh, deleterious conditions. But some people will tell you that the Zika virus is an offshoot of the U.S. Army's EW, or Entomological Warfare Program, because in the 1930s, this mosquito, Aedes aegypti, was found in every country in South and Central America throughout the Caribbean, and even here in the southeastern United States. And then it came with, you know, it came with all the diseases that this creature usually carries, yellow fever, dengue fever, also called breakbone, and now Zika. So people were working to eradicate this troublesome creature, which was occurring naturally. It's not like Peru was bombing Brazil with these or something. In 1958, Brazil successfully eradicated the mosquito and was working to eradicate it, not just from its own country, but from the rest of the hemisphere. This was going to be the culmination of decades of work. And unfortunately, 
even while the U.S. was funding eradication efforts in South America, it was still secretly raising colonies of millions of these mosquitoes to use as weapons. So it was kind of shooting ourselves in the foot, robbing Peter to pay Paul. It seems like it got out of hand really quickly. And a lot of this research really makes me think, is the U.S. responsible for how many mosquitoes ended up like in the South? They had to, the mosquitoes already naturally occurred. No, I know that. But I'm just saying, like, when you dump that many more on top of an already thriving population. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not going to double down on that. Great time to be a bird. Ooh, gosh. Because I was just thinking, like, already in the summer uh, here in Atlanta, I'm already covered in mosquito bites and I haven't even been spending that much time outside. So they definitely uh, are able to infiltrate homes and and get inside and, and, you know, get at those uh those blood bags that are human beings. I hear you can modify your diet. I don't know if this is true, such that mosquitoes won't find you tasty. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you'll hear people say that there are a couple of different, what they call mosquito repellent foods. Garlic and onions, that's not a problem. Apple cider vinegar, lemongrass, chili peppers, grapefruit, which I am not going to eat. Not a grapefruit fan? No, I hate it. Really? hate it. Not even like in a little cocktail, no. like a little grapefruit and vodka? A grapefruit is an injustice that shall not stand. Interesting. I used to not like it either, but the ruby red I find a little bit more palatable than the regular old uh, That's grapefruit. What I, yeah. I think it was because when, when I was in Boy Scouts, one summer in the middle of nowhere, we were stranded in a place where the only thing to drink was water or this uh, rancid grapefruit juice. Ugh. So that was my first success. Yeah, I just can't do it. Got it. I fully support everyone who enjoys grapefruit. Just don't make me participate. No, it's fine. To each his own. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. 
I also heard a thing about mosquitoes that if you flick them off before they've fully had a chance to do their dirty work, uh-huh. it itches more. Oh. Because there's some kind of antibody or something they inject into the mm. bite after they finished that makes it, like, less itchy. Kind of like the uh, the little uh, cheeses you get if you donate blood. Exactly. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother confirming whether this is true or not. I just choose to believe it is true. But what we definitely know is true is there is a precedent for this kind of research, and we alluded to it earlier in the show. But in 1941, Heinrich Himmler um, was ordered to create a research station, a laboratory that was based out of the concentration camp at Dachau under the command of the Nazi SS. And that was uh, to focus on studying diseases with the goal of protecting the Germans But some new reports from the University of Tübingen, uh, an ecologist by the name of Klaus Reinhardt, indicate that they were actually working on offensive biological warfare programs as well. Yeah, just like the U.S. Chemical Corps. You know, they say it's for defense or research, but it turns out the potential for weaponizing this stuff is just too promising. Yeah, so under the 1925 Geneva Protocol, uh, Hitler wasn't allowed to use chemical or biological weapons during World War II. But, you know, like we say, we can on paper say, yeah, of course, we're going to follow the, the you know, rules of engagement. But behind closed doors, he had folks working around the clock to uh, study the same thing that we're talking about in the United States, weaponization of mosquitoes and fleas. Right. And as Klaus Reinhardt points out, reading through the details of the research seems to indicate that there was a, another research program, a classified project codenamed Dormouse, or can you give it a shot in German? <laughs> uh, how about Siebenschlafer or Schläfer? Because it's got the umlaut over the A, so that makes it an E sound. Schläfer. I'm glad you're here. We found this in a Smithsonian article. This title is golden. Nazi scientists wanted to use mosquitoes to send diseases behind enemy lines. Yep, and that's by Colin Schultz. And it goes through this research material that we discussed. And it some of the wording in these documents is what indicates there may have been a parallel program. So we don't necessarily know this for a fact or have confirmation, but uh, there is some indication, uh, again, according to Reinhardt, the wording he says um, in the German documents suggests that uh, they knew that there was a planned uh, release of mosquitoes. Yeah, exactly. So there's a report dated in September of 1944, September the 23rd. And in this report, they have some what we call weasel words. Mm. They've got some wiggle room. They say they're carrying out research, quote, in order to clarify the question whether an artificial mass infection of the malaria parasite onto humans is possible and how one can counter an action that aims at such mass infection. So the idea here is, ultimately, we're learning how to protect ourselves against weaponized bugs. And the way we're going to do that is to weaponize some bugs and infect a ton of people with malaria. And then a pretty uh, solid cover story is that they were doing this research to prevent plague outbreaks in the concentration camps with already weakened, uh, you know, prisoners of war that were used basically as slave labor. Um, So that was an important quality of this research as well. Right. They were entirely concerned with the slave labor aspect. It's not like they were working on people's quality of life. And I got to say, you know, I'm surprised that this kind of thing has not been more widely reported or has not happened more often 
because it, it, it's clearly unethical, but it would have to be effective. You know, the mosquitoes just get in everywhere. They're ubiquitous. Well, we know it is effective from the way the Japanese used it on the Chinese with those insane numbers of casualties. I think we said in the neighborhood of half a million. Yeah, 440,000. So I guess knock wood. Mm. Thank our lucky stars that this hasn't been used more because it just sounds like an absolute terror. I mean, even the testing in Savannah, can you imagine having that many bitey mosquitoes dropped on you during the heat of summer and just all of a sudden, like, where are these clouds of, you know, insects coming from? It sounds like a biblical plague. Yeah, and Savannah already has an atomic bomb resting in the water off the coast. Yeah, man, they can't get a break. <laughs> they can't get a break. I have to ask, I have to ask you guys. Okay, so Noel, you have what they in the South call sweet blood. Yeah. Right? Yep. Because mosquitoes bite you. They love me. Casey, what about you? Are are you, bugs a fan of your blood? Unfortunately, yes, they are. Wow. Well, maybe, maybe you guys should incorporate some uh garlic onions. But I eat a lot of garlic and grapefruit. Do I have to rub it on my actual body, or yes, while intoning, uh, intoning the phrase "bugs, bugs, go away, drink my blood another day." All right, I'll remember that for next time. Uh, and you folks, for next time, remember to check us out on Facebook. Our group is called the Ridiculous Historians. You can be a member. All you got to do is invoke my name, Casey's name, Ben's name, all three, or just make a funny joke that makes us laugh. Uh, yeah, give me a T-shirt idea, too. That's uh, If it's a good T-shirt idea. <laughs> wow, that sounds harsh. I promise if you if you send a good T-shirt idea or even one that we don't end up using, that's not grounds for rejection. And those sweet T-shirt ideas may or may not end up in our Tee Public store, tpublic.com slash ridiculous history, where you can buy all kinds of ridiculous swag, including the brand new Casey on the Case childhood modeling photo T-shirt that to me looks like some kind of cool indie rock like mm-hmm. Dinosaur Junior Sonic Youth shirt. I am actually, uh, I've got one packed in my bag for my upcoming trip and I plan to rock it all over uh, New York City. They did a fantastic job with that one. Also, uh, also Casey, by the way, huge thanks again for letting us do that. I, kn- I know I bugged you for a while. <laughs> No, I love how it turned out. So, uh, yeah, all's well and ends well. <laughs> mm-hmm. So get you get you one of those shirts. Uh, if you don't want to do that, which you should, you can check us out on Instagram. Me and Ben uh, exist independently of the show. I am at How Now Noel Brown. I post, you know, uh, my stories are fun. You can check me out hanging out with my kid, eating a lot of fancy foods at different uh, eateries around town in the United States. And Ben, you're on there too, aren't you? The rumors are true. You can find me on Instagram, getting kicked into and out of various countries. I am at Ben Bolin there. And you can find me on Twitter, hot takes left and right. I am at Ben Bolin, HSW. We want to give a huge, huge thanks, of course, to you, super producer Casey Pegram, uh, to you folks listening, uh, and also to Alex Williams, who composed our track. Yeah, Gabe Lugier, our research associate and friend. Chris Frasiotis, here in spirit as always. Jonathan Strickland, the quiz drums. Starting to warm up to his antics a little bit. It is his birthday today as we record. HBD, Jay Strick. Yeah, I just walked by, shot him a little finger gun and said, Happy New Year, bro. I'll shoot him a different finger when I walk by. Okay, I feel like you might. But it will accompany birthday wishes. So let us know, let us know what you think about these strange sorts of experiments, not just entomological warfare, but also the use of animals in war in general. We have never done what would be a lighthearted and delightful episode on animals who got military ranks. No. That's just adorable. Okay, we got to do that. We got to do that one. Uh, and if you want to send us those recommendations, you can write to us at ridiculous at iheartradio.com. See you next time, folks. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills, into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.